All right, well, why don't you turn to the 46th Psalm and uh, hold your place there. We'll look at it here in just a couple of minutes. I want to ask you a question as we get started here. Is there, uh, no answers, Just this is just for personal reflection. Uh, is there anything in your life right now, anything going on in your life that is causing you to feel threatened? It is almost certain that for every single one of us here today, there is something happening in our lives that causes us to feel vulnerable right now, to feel out of control, uh, something that we are concerned about, something that, whether it's real or imagined, we perceive it as a threat to our safety, a threat to our happiness, a threat to our peace of mind. I think it's fair to say it's not a matter of if there's something like that for all of us. It's just a question of what is it uh, for each one of us. There is something uh, that that makes us feel that way. What is it uh, for you? Today we're going to be looking at the 46th Psalm, which is a psalm that I like to return to over and over again because of what an encouraging section of Scripture I find it to be. This psalm references some really threatening situations, things like the earth giving way, mountains falling into the heart of the sea, waters roaring with such ferocity that they cause mountains to quake with their surging. If you've ever been in an earthquake, you know what a frightening experience that can be. How how many of you have been in an earthquake? Wow, quite a few of you. How many of you have been in an other-than-Ohio earthquake? All right. right. Those really aren't earthquakes. Those are, I don't know what they are, but they call them earthquakes. But okay, so a good number of you have been in other-than-Ohio earthquakes. That is an unsettling feeling, isn't it? When the ground beneath you is unstable, that is a frightening situation. How many of you have ever been in a boat where a storm arose and the waters got more than just a little choppy, but it actually got to the point where you were getting pretty concerned? Anybody ever been in that situation? Very, very unsettling. You know what a a threat raging waters can be. But the upheaval of the earth's crust, the shaking of the ground beneath us, these aren't the only ways that we can be threatened. We face threats of Uh, many different kinds. You know, there's a lot going on in the world right now that causes us to feel uh, threatened. Christians are being persecuted in Iraq, and while Christians have been persecuted uh, throughout history, and really, you may not realize this, but the 20th century was was about the worst for Christian persecution. Just because we didn't see it didn't mean it wasn't going on. It was about the worst, but But there seems to be today, you know, we're we're seeing it more. We're becoming more aware of the persecution that's going on uh, around the world. So so we see that. Uh, I think it was this week, maybe the week before, when the the journalist was executed by uh, ISIS. And and that was put on uh, social media. And the world was able to witness this. And even in our own nation, in the last few weeks, we have seen... Uh, racial tensions arise that went beyond anything we've really seen for uh, quite some time, resulting in riots in the heartland uh, of our country. You go beyond world events, uh, some of us feel threatened by economic hardships. Again, not asking for a show of hands, but 
uh, a good number of us, I'm sure, would say my income is actually lower today than it was 10 years ago. Others of us would say, well, my income is higher than it was, but what that money will do for me has lessened. The value of that money has eroded to such a place that even with my higher income, I am in worse shape financially than I was 10 years ago. The housing crisis robbed you of your equity in your home. The uh, Unaffordable Care Act has dramatically uh, impacted your bottom line. That was a laugh line. You missed it. Um, It's too sad to laugh about, I I, I believe. Um, And you're feeling very vulnerable. You're feeling very concerned about your financial future. If we were all comfortable raising our hands to say, are you concerned about your financial future? I, I think there would be a lot of hands here today. Uh, this, this is an area where we feel threatened. Many of us feel threatened by health issues. Either a present disease or condition that we have weighs on us. Uh, maybe it's family history that weighs on us. Because in the back of our mind, there's this little reminder of all the things that have gone wrong uh, health-wise within our family. Maybe there's some chronic pain problem that you have that's weighing on you, or perhaps it's fear over the health of someone else that you love uh, that has you feeling threatened. Many of us even feel threatened in places that used to be sources of comfort for us. And I'm thinking specifically of the church. We see a worsening trend of compromise uh, within the church so-called. We, we see those who claim the name of Christ no longer simply struggling to live up to God's word, which I think we can all agree we struggle with, but now having gone beyond just struggling to live up to it, they have actually reinterpreted God's word to the point where self-professing Christians are now doing what Isaiah the prophet warned us about. They are calling evil good. And we're alarmed and we, we feel threatened by these things. Uh, some of us are facing turmoil in relationships. Uh, a relationship that used to bring you comfort, a relationship that used to be a place of safety for you, is now strained. Or maybe it's even ended. Uh, the person who used to be a source of comfort for you is now a source of pain. And the loss of this relationship has caused you to just feel cast adrift uh, in in the world. For some, threats take the form of things like this, uh, disappointment. Uh, Just a general disappointment with life. Is this really all there is? Is this the extent of things? For some, it's feelings of insignificance. I expected more. I thought I was going to leave a bigger imprint on the world. Many wrestle with feelings of emptiness, even when surrounded by people who love them. Disappointment, emptiness, feelings of insignificance, these things threaten our peace of mind, our joy. These things rob us of energy. They can cause us to kind of sleepwalk through life, fail to appreciate those around us. They do great damage to us. How do we face all of these threats? How do we deal with our vulnerability? How do we live joyful lives even in the face of all of these things and in the face of the fragility of life? How do we do it? Well, we face all of these things, no matter the severity of the threats, 
and even with joy because we know that we don't face these things alone. That's how we do it. In each of the circumstances of life, through all the threats that life brings our way, this truth remains and this truth sustains us. God is with us. We're not alone. You're not alone. I'm not alone. Whatever has you concerned today, you are not alone. You aren't facing it by yourself. God is with you. The 46th Psalm is generally believed to have been written in response to the miraculous deliverance of Jerusalem when it was surrounded and threatened by the Assyrian king Sennacherib. Uh, There's a name for, uh, for your children, Sennacherib. Sennacherib had laid waste to many of the nations around Israel, and he had now turned his attention to Israel, and because he had, they were in a very vulnerable position. They were in a very frightening position. The threat against them was real, and the threat was powerful. Sennacherib had a history of doing what he said he was going to do, and he was now saying that he was going to uh, come against Israel. Now, you can read uh, about this story in 2 Kings 18.13 through 19.35. You can also read about it in the 36th chapter of Isaiah, uh, if you would like some interesting uh, reading this week. But for now, here's what's important for us to understand, that the writer of this psalm has faced as severe a threat as can be faced, and he has found that God can be trusted even when life is its most threatening. The whole chapter is good because it's the Bible, uh, but I simply want to read Psalm 46, 1 through 3, and then skip down to 10 and 11. So why don't you follow along as I do? Here's what it says. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen? Keep in mind that the circumstances of this psalm are not calm waters. They are not happy times. They are not peaceful living. The circumstances of the psalm are a threatening situation, having been surrounded and threatened by an enemy that's notorious for leaving death and destruction in his wake. A situation that the psalmist likens to raging seas, quaking mountains, the earth giving way beneath your feet, and the mountains falling into the sea. And we find the answer available to us when life threatens us is God. That's the answer. God. How do you face all of these things? God. We're told first that God is our refuge. Where do you go when a threat arises? Well, it depends on the nature of the threat, doesn't it? 
What, what kind of threat am I facing? If the threat is a tornado, where do you go? Basement. You go low. You go low. In past days, people would go to storm cellars. I don't think we have many storm cellars around anymore, but, but we have basements, and we go to our basements. If the threat is attacked by a hostile army, people go to a bomb shelter. People living in Israel live with this reality every single day and regularly have to run to uh, the bomb shelter. During the Cold War, there were designated fallout shelters that people were to go to if we were ever attacked by a nuclear bomb. By the way, have you seen those fallout shelters? I don't really think they would have uh, sheltered you much from the fallout, but, uh, but that's where we were told to go. If you're threatened by a flood... You go to a high place, you, you get on a hill, you uh, find a tower, you at least get to the highest floor of your house uh, if, you, if you have a multiple floor house. When the threats arise, we take shelter. God is our refuge. Refuge simply means shelter. God is our shelter. And so when threats arise in our lives, God being our uh, shelter... We need to think of him like that. He is our storm cellar. He is our basement. He is our fallout shelter. He is our high tower, the high hill, the place that we run to to escape the storm. The fact is that even the strongest among us are no match for the threats that come against us. We need to realize that. Uh, We we need to kind of uh, resign ourselves to that truth. You know, you cannot build strong enough muscles to withstand a tornado. You're aware of this. Doesn't matter how strong you are, how imposing a physical presence you are, how much weight you can lift, how impressive your physique, when the tornado comes, you are no match for it. If it hits your house, you had better be sheltered in the right place. You can't have good enough genes to withstand a nuclear fallout. Nobody has good enough genes to withstand that. You better be in the right shelter when the bomb goes off. No one is a strong enough swimmer to overcome the raging waters of a tsunami or a flash flood. When the flood comes, you better be in your high tower. None of us are a match for the threats that we face. When threats come, we need a shelter that can offer the protection we can't provide for ourselves. Whatever has you feeling threatened today, whatever it is, here is the best thing that you can do. You've got to run to your shelter. You've got to run to God. We've got to be humble enough to recognize that we are no match for the threats that are aligned against us, and we've got to run to our shelter. Not try to face it on our own, because we can't, but we've got to run to, which simply means to turn to God, to to call out to God, to, to rely on God. Next, we're told that God is our strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10 is a great section of Scripture where Paul talks about the strength that God provides his people. Now, Paul, many of you know, was troubled by an ongoing difficulty throughout his life that he referred to as his thorn in the flesh. And no one knows for sure what it was, but it was a troubling thing to Paul. 
And even though God never delivered him from it, God did sustain him through it. And here's what Paul writes about it in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, that goes so well with what we're learning here in the 46th Psalm about God being our strength. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Great section of Scripture. So what we see in the Bible is that God is our shelter from the storm. And now we see in the Bible that God is our strength in the storm. When the storm comes and it's too strong for us, that's the point at which God's strength is made perfect. Basically what Paul is saying here is that it's in, uh, only in those times and circumstances when we're not able to stand on our own that we're truly able to experience and appreciate the power of God. And so he says that he boasts all the more gladly about his weakness so that Christ's power may rest on him. He says that he's actually gotten to the point where he delights in difficulties because what he has found is in those moments where he is the weakest, he is the most aware of God's strength. God's strength is shown strong on his behalf. So God is our shelter from the storm. He is our strength in the storm. And then we're told by a writer who knows this from experience that this God who is our refuge and strength is an ever-present help in trouble. God is our shelter. We need to run to him, meaning we need to turn to him. But here's the difference between God and every other shelter we've ever seen or imagined. Shelters aren't things that you can always have with you. Shelters are things that you have to get to. You have to get to the basement. You have to get to the fallout shelter. You have to get to the high place. Those things aren't with you. You have to get to them. But God is not like any other shelter that we know of. We don't have to, to traverse through traffic to get to the fallout shelter of God. We don't have to run through the maze of furniture without stubbing our toe to get to the basement door of God. God is our ever-present help. When trouble comes, we don't have to get to him. He's already with us if we belong to him. And here's something awesome about God. He's not just ever present with you, he's also omnipresent. Meaning he can be your ever-present help at the exact time he's my ever-present help. It's amazing. He can be your help in downtown Columbus at the same time he's my help right here in Pataskala. He can be your help when you are in the car accident on the north end of town at the same time that he's someone else's help going to the doctor in Reynoldsburg waiting 
for test results. He is the ever-present help. He is our omnipresent help. And the good news doesn't stop there. He is our omnipotent help. There is no problem that you have ever faced in life or will ever face that God is not more powerful than. None. There is no threat in life that's a match for the power of the God who is all-powerful. All power, all authority in heaven and earth belong to him. God is more powerful than a poor economy. God is more powerful than all the nations of the world combined. God is more powerful than natural disasters. God is more powerful than any disease you fear, any disease you have, or any disease you will ever have. God is more powerful than ISIS. God is more powerful than terrorists. God is more powerful than any threat against us. God's power is not compromised by a compromising church. He remains all-powerful. He's still omnipotent. Beyond these things, God is more powerful than loneliness. He's more powerful than your accusing conscience. He's more powerful than the sin that we keep giving into. He's more powerful than Satan and all of the evil forces at work in the world. The God who is your refuge and strength, your ever-present help, is omnipotent, all-powerful. He has all power in heaven and earth. So remember the context of the 46th Psalm. Written by someone who had lived through being surrounded by a ruthless enemy, which is compared to the earth giving way, the mountains falling into the sea. That's the context. And in that kind of context, here's the truth about God. In the most threatening situations, he is our refuge, he is our strength, he is our ever-present helper who is omnipresent and omnipotent. He will either shelter us from the threat or strengthen us as we're in the middle of the threat. Whatever happens, we are not alone. We do not face the threat in our own power. Everything we need for every threat we face is provided by our ever-present, omnipresent, omnipotent God. And because of these things, because these things are true about God, here is what we should be able to say along with the writer of the 46th Psalm. Therefore, we will not fear. Not fearing isn't based on calm waters. Not fearing isn't based on stable terra firma. Not fearing isn't based on having enough money in the bank. I would like to say that one again. Not fearing is not based on having enough money in the bank. It really isn't. 
Not fearing isn't based on being delivered from the thorn in the flesh. Not fearing is not based on easy circumstances. Not fearing isn't based on circumstances at all. Not fearing is based on the truth about God, who he is, and what he has promised us. That's how we don't fear. What is threatening you today? What has you feeling vulnerable and alone? Do not fear. God is your refuge. God is your strength. He is your ever-present, all-powerful help in time of trouble. I had lunch with a friend a while back, and he was sharing with me about some health concerns that he has had and how he has really struggled with anxiety and fear about his health. And I'm sure most of us here can relate to this. And he said that recently he was, you know, expressing his anxieties to his wife, and, and she jolted him with a statement that at first he thought was really insensitive of her. Uh, how many of you men have ever had your wife be insensitive to you? Uh, it's, it's, it's epidemic proportions. Uh, just, just, a, just a joke, ladies. I, I apologize to uh, anybody offended by the joke. I had to do something. I had to do something to liven you up. You all seem a little... Hey, Stan, could you do something about that? Uh, (laughs) All right. I did not mean for it to go this far. All right. So here's the deal. His wife recently jolted him with a statement that he felt was insensitive, but he said that as he reflected upon the statement, he, he had to admit that she was biblically, theologically correct. So he's expressing his anxiety about his health. Basically, he, he, he's in a way saying, I'm afraid that this may be really bad, like in the worst sense. And she said to him, what's the worst that could happen? You could die and be with Jesus. Amen. Wow, honey. <laughs> Doesn't that feel kind of like bad to you? <laughs> that was her attitude. What's the worst that could happen? You'd die and you'd be with Jesus. Friends, that really is so true. Not very many of us live in that place. I actually know this woman pretty well and I think she does live in that place. So I think she says that out of a, a place of That's her reality. It's not true for all of us, but it should be. It is true. What's the worst that can happen? If we die, we just get to be with Jesus. May we all be people who know Jesus so well, who walk with God so closely, believe the truth about God's care for us and what awaits us in eternity that we would truly be people from an honest place that can say of our very own lives, what's the worst that could happen? I could die 
and then I'll be with Jesus. The Apostle Paul viewed death as gain. He actually wrote words, to live is Christ, to die is gain. May each of us trust God that fully. Do not fear. God will shelter and deliver you from the storm. Or he will strengthen you to stand through the storm. Or when, from a natural perspective, it looks like the storm prevailed and somehow God failed to come through for you, even then, our omnipotent refuge and strength shows himself strong on our behalf. And actually, it's at this point that God's omnipotence is most on display when he shows himself most powerful when because of him, Death isn't even defeat. Wow. Truly in every circumstance, including death, God is our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in trouble. This is the truth about God. But how do we live in this place? How do we live in a reality where we've actually internalized this truth, fully embraced it, are comforted by it, and truly don't fear no matter the circumstances? Verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God himself speaks. And here's what he tells us, be still and know that I am God. We've got to quiet ourselves. We've got to take time in his presence where he reveals himself to us. Through his written word and the Holy Spirit, he speaks his reassurance to us. He builds our confidence in him as we are still before him and our minds are transformed by the truth about him. Be still and know that I am God. It doesn't mean merely knowing theological information. Knowing God speaks of relational familiarity with him. You can know truths about God and be the most fear-filled person in the world, as many of us know firsthand. But our knowledge of God has to make it from our heads to our hearts. We have to go beyond just knowing truths about God. We have to know God relationally, personally, closely. It is as we truly get to know him, not just about him, that peace settles in our hearts and we have confidence in him, and we don't fear, even if the earth is giving way around us. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Uh, Don Williams, a vineyard theologian, writes this. The God of Psalm 46 commands angelic host, volatile nature, expanding creation, Historical chaos, wars and rumors of wars. God commands all of that. He is the Lord of hosts. He will be exalted in the earth. In him we are safe and secure. 
What has you feeling threatened? What has you worried? God is your refuge and strength, your ever-present help, and you do not have to fear. May our confidence in God grow strong, and may each and every one of us here today live totally free from fear. This 46th Psalm inspired Martin Luther to write his famous Reformation hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It is a beautiful and truth-filled hymn. And I want you to listen as I speak the words of this hymn, and then we're going to sing it together. In fact, the worship team could go ahead and slip one up here. Listen to the words of this song. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he, the Lord of hosts his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. And though this world, with devils filled, should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word above all earthly powers, not thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are, are ours through him who with us sideth. Let good, listen to this line. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Hallelujah. Aren't you stand? Here's what I want us to do as we conclude the service today. We're going to sing this song together. I'm going to ask the prayer ministry team to go ahead and slip up here. Here's what I want. I, I want you... To, to just shut out all of the distractions that are vying for your attention right now. I want you to focus on the great truths that are in this song. And as you do, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to transform our minds with these truths. And as we sing this, I am trusting, I am praying, I am believing that God is going to allow confidence to grow in our hearts about the power of the God we serve. So I don't want anyone to come forward for prayer as we sing this song, but when this song is over, after we've sung through this song once, and your heart has been filled with confidence in God, if there is something that you're saying, 
I am feeling threatened by, I am feeling fearful about, I want you to come forward in that confidence you feel and join together with one of our prayer teams and we are going to pray. And here's what I believe can happen here today. I believe this with all of my heart. A bunch of us can leave here today totally free from the fear that we walked in here with. I believe it can happen. I believe God wants it to happen, and I believe that it will happen. So give yourself to singing this song uh, from the depth of your being, allowing your mind to be transformed by it, and then let's go to the Lord in prayer in light of the truth that we understand. God bless you.